Springtime for homos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. This is a springtime special, I'm calling it, because we are talking to the wonderful gardener Arthur Parkinson today on the show. I'm so excited about it. I'm going to tell you more about it in just a minuto. What's going on here? Well, mm, I'm packing because mummy's coming home. Uh, I seem to have acquired 43 times the amount of stuff I arrived with, but my suitcase remains the same size. What to do? I'll be completely blunt with you listeners. I'm not the person who packs in this relationship. (laughs) I lay it all out and then William is like someone making sushi. He puts it all in the suitcase in about a quarter of the space that I would take up. I am definitely of the church of whack it all in as fast as you can, sort of stand on it, jump up and down, try and pull the zip, hope for the best. He's a bit more precision focused, I would say. Glad to see that the eight books I brought weren't even opened the entire time. That was good. Nice just lugging those halfway across the world and back. Now then, We've got a springtime special really today because this week it's the Chelsea Flower Show happening in England and in today's episode I'm going to be getting my green fingers dirty people in the garden with none other than gardener Arthur Parkinson. He is a sort of superstar gardening influencer on Instagram. He's gram famous would you say? But he's more. He's an environmentalist, he's a writer, he's an illustrator and he's a chicken enthusiast. And so I went round to his house and we went round his garden and looked at all his flowers and he explain to me how to do flowers sustainably but most importantly as well like how can anyone no matter what kind of property you live in even if you don't have a balcony how can you get some flowers into your life and why that's great for your mental health and actually the thing that I adore most about Arthur it's not all the brilliant things he does for the environment and for gardening and how to garden sustainably it's the stuff he talks about mental health and flowers and getting outdoors and getting among nature for his own depression and that story has been incredible and he talks so candidly about it so beautifully about it i am just i'm a super fan and can you hear that drilling going on in the background so there's someone who starts drilling with the pneumatic drill at 6 a.m here 6 a.m people It's probably Kim Kardashian. She's probably having another pool put in. Arthur has a new book coming out. It's called Chicken Boy Later in the Year. So I wanted to just give that a shout out. It's part memoir. It's part expert guide to keeping chickens, as well as commenting on society and our feelings towards our pets. And he's done all the illustrations and it's going to be amazing. And Arthur did the most wonderful, cute thing. He draws chickens. Uh, He started doing it over lockdown. He talks about it. He does these lovely illustrations. He did one for me and my husband, actually. He gave us some of his eggs. Such a lovely, thoughtful present. And um, he did a little chicken illustration on it. I've kept it because it's such a beautiful thing. Have you listened to our chat with Fat Tony? He was talking all about his amazing life. Not one to be missed. Like, if you want stories about George Michael, Boy George, Madonna, basically how Tony's told them all to F off at some point in his life or theirs, it's great. Don't forget, you can always contact us with your stories, um, your feedback. Just get in touch. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com or at homosapiens on Instagram. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Whatever country you're in, we've discovered how to unlock the international thing so we can now see your reviews from all over the world. So but wherever you're listening, please go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. And you might win a t-shirt 
but it also just really helps us we're really into it we'd love you to do it uh thank you so much shall i read an email that's me accessing email We've got an email from Frank. Uh, Dear Chris, greetings from Amsterdam. There I was at the gym, masking it up, lifting weights that were slightly too heavy for me anyway. First things first, Frank, you are seen. I am that person as well. When I unexpectedly teared up listening to this week's episode, the announcement of you and your partner becoming fathers truly moved me. Thank you for sharing such a wonderful experience with your listeners. I believe this experience as numerous that you have covered throughout the years helped so many others to envision a queer life with possibilities rather than limitations. Thank you, Frank. And can I just say thank you to everybody who has written in. Uh, So many people have messaged to say congratulations on the birth of our daughter. I am touched beyond belief. Thank you so much. And what a lovely message, Frank. And you know what, Frank? I do feel so strongly that queer people are taught from a young age. And this is not just to do with parenting. I feel like the cis straight people the world is built for them and they are very much taught that everything is theirs for the taking and i know this is generalizing but i think there's something about the queer experience where you sort of taught that certain things aren't for you and it if you don't want to be a parent if you don't want to do this you don't want to do that you don't want to marry all those sort of heteronormative things that is great but understand and know that you can have it all, for want of a better description, you have the options to do anything you want. Um, I suppose that's what I feel about parenting. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. So thanks for that. And got an email from Aram. Hello, Chris. I've been listening to your podcast from the very beginning. Aram, you are lovely. Thank you so much. During your last episode with Raven Smith, you talked about Harry Styles and his fans. I did indeed. I found it very interesting how you spent the first part of the interview talking about how how, very understandably, separated you feel from straight men and their behaviour, and then later made a remark about Harry Styles fans being 14-year-old girls, which can hardly be considered offensive, but definitely dismissive, implying that they would be lesser than audience. Um, Aram, you're absolutely right. I did do that, didn't I? And then I I did correct myself because I felt myself do it. But I I apologise for doing that. It was incorrect and it was mean. So sorry about that. I do not think you meant any harm by that comment, but it made me think about gay men being oblivious to their own misogyny. I hear you there and it's baked into gay men in particular and I am no different and I am trying to be better and I appreciate you bringing this to my attention, Aram. I also wanted to provide a different perspective on that situation from a point of view of a bi Harry Styles fan. While sending death threats is absolutely horrible behaviour, which is unfortunately a product of a toxic stan Twitter environment, yes, that is very true, the frustration of his fans with people saying he is straight and or queerbaiting comes from the fact that many of his fans are bi, pan and unlabeled young women that see big publications speculating about his sexuality every other week. Many publications use very biphobic rhetoric and to try to prove he is straight when he has said he doesn't want to talk about his personal life. It feels invalidating seeing blatant biphobia so normalised in the press. It is wrong to speculate about anyone's sexuality, including celebrities. Aram, you are absolutely right and thank you so much for writing in and apologies for offending you. Re the Harry Styles... Harry Smiles, that'd be nice. Harry Styles dismissive comment. I really appreciate you taking the time to write in. 
Um, time for a t-shirt. Thank you for all your lovely reviews. We're going to do a t-shirt giveaway. You've got to go on Apple Podcasts if you want to win one of the t-shirts. So I'm going to read three reviews. Essential listening. Five stars is the first one. I've been a fan of this podcast since day one, and I can't recommend it enough. For queer listeners, it's the warm, supportive, informative, and educational show you never knew you needed. And for everyone else, it's exactly the same. The breadth of topics covered is excellent, and I defy you not to find something of interest in the extensive back catalogue of 240 episodes. Enjoy! (gasps) Okay, thank you. What What a nice review. Maybe you'd, listener, I'm talking to you, maybe you'd like to log on and, you know say a nice thing and then you'll get a t-shirt what's not to love after discovering number two uh five stars after discovering this podcast early 2021 i quickly binged all episodes until i caught up and now i truly look forward to the latest episode appearing in my feed these are all very good ones oh, that, that this is from ot mike 82 thank you ot mike and the previous one was from jt faster oh, i like that name from ireland as a british gay man living in vancouver i find this podcast helps me feel connected to the queer community back home in the uk chris is an excellent host oh mike stop it and interviewer and i have listened to all the episodes in a relatively short period of time i can hear how he has gone from strength to strength oh mike thank you for this podcast and keep up the great work georgia pritchett i loved this interview with the succession writer georgia pritchett who talks about her time writing for Joe Brand and about why Mrs. Brown's boys makes LGBT people and women feel so uncomfortable. Brilliant. And that is AJAPA82 from Great Britain. Now, since this is the international um, episode, international review of the week episode, I'm going to take it to Canada, people. I loved all your I loved all your messages and I really appreciate it. But I'm taking it to Canada. So, Mike 82 nothing to do with the compliment about me becoming a better interviewer. I promise. It's just international. Uh, Mike, write to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Send us your size. We'll send you a t-shirt. Yeah, that's the winner. Okay, so keep reviewing and you can win a t-shirt and that's how it goes. Please do more of it. We really appreciate it. It means a lot. I love you all. How does that sound? How does that sound? Now, let's go have a chat with Arthur. It's so nice to be, the podcast is back out and about in the world, talking to people, going on the roads. I went round to Arthur's house, actually his boyfriend, James's house. So in this chat, one thing to quickly say is Arthur talks about someone called James a lot. James is his boyfriend, who is a lovely and amazing interior designer, actually, at James Mackey on Instagram, M-A-C-K-I-E. He has done amazing stuff, and you can actually see the house that we're in on James Mackey's Instagram as well. Um, So there's a little fact for you. Anyways, here's my lovely chat with Arthur Parkinson. Look him up on Instagram while you're listening to it. Follow him. Get inspired. We can all have a bit of lovely nature in our homes, no matter the size. That's the bit I love about this chat. Here we go. I'm going to bring my tea. Do you want to bring your coffee or is that a bit tricky? Cold anyway. (laughs) Okay, so Arthur's going to take me into the garden first. Sorry about the door. It's come. It's down on its hinges. You must do away with doors. Okay, so here we are, birdsong. Would you say this is a pot garden? Lots of pots? Yeah, more of a pot garden lately than it used to be. When mm. I first came, it was mainly James's party garden. So we've slowly started to fill it with more pots. Pots are more important to me than people space. Um, so when, when it is, hopefully, you know, warm summer days and James has his friends over, Things all have to be cleared, but that's okay. That's the wonderful thing about pots. You can move things. They're not permanent. Yes, um, yes. Although the biggest ones need two people, really, mm-hmm. uh, to move them. 
So what have we got on this central... So there's a big table in the middle of the yeah. garden with lots of pots on. What have we got in here? Hyacinths um, and muscari are both related to the bluebell. Is this the small purple one? Yeah, the muscari. Okay, lovely. Um, and they're both full of nectar and pollen for bees. That's why I love them so much and why they're on, on Grand Parade, really. But I've got some in the small pots because basically you take those in, particularly in, in the evening time, and it's like having the most gorgeous Jo Malone candle. You bring them in in the yeah, evening? Yeah, because they're so full of perfume. Oh, so it's lovely. You know, it's more than just having flowers to look at. They are, you know, inside the house, then brought out, back outside. Well, literally, when I walked up to your front door, I smelt the hyacinths. Yeah. yeah. So what else have we got in here? Is this a pansy? Am I right, Arthur? A viola, but they're close. Oh, okay. Um, they're more or less the same thing. It's just violas are smaller. Um, and these are growing with a bulb called a fertility, snake's head fertility. They are. The, so we're going to put all these pics on Instagram because the, if that's okay with you. Yes, of course. Um, won't photograph the bedroom. Um, and because this is like the most, it's like something out of, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, it is. Isn't they're it? called, um, they're either called the snake's head fertility or the guinea flower. Cause like the bird, the guinea flower, they've got like a checkerboard. Uh, petal mm. this big tall purple mm. thing is this a kale adjacent yes i'm not a vegetable gardener but i love mixing ornamental looking veg in with the flowers so these were planted on top of all the bulbs back in the autumn and so they've been given as leaf all through the winter wow. and now they're going to have a lovely firework of yellow yellow posset flowers um it's kale called red bull and will you will you eat it i might do if we had more but to be honest they're more for looks mm-hmm. you know the cost of an organic bag of kale yes. is probably about £2, whereas if you wanted to grow your own. Yeah. It, I think sometimes it's lovely thinking you can grow all this stuff, but when you look at what it costs to grow it versus buy it from a nice local farm shop, mm. I often think about that. So I'm not a massive veg grower. I would rather have a garden full of what I call cut flowers or flowers in pots to take into the house than having to buy flowers at all, because actually flowers... We forget that flowers, like veg that isn't organic or locally grown, they're imported from places like Kenya. They're sprayed with a cocktail of pesticides, so like Valentine's Day roses. Yeah. If someone bought me them, I'd I'd probably refuse them. (laughs) I don't want to see roses in February that I know have probably been come from a farm where Mm -hmm. the workers are paid, you know, 50p a day. Mm. The Rift Valley lakes are just being, you know, sucked of all their water to produce these roses. Mm. So, yeah, we really need to think about flowers more in season. Uh, just like we've become accustomed to thinking about vegetables in season, it's the same rules. Ah, fascinating. So yeah. then, if I want to get someone flowers mm. on Valentine's Day, probably my husband, but not yes. definitely, what would you recommend? Um, Narcissi, because mm-hmm. they're grown on the Scilly Isles, so they're close to, to us. Okay. So a lot less air miles and full of perfume. What do they look like again? Um, so lovely white, white or creamy flowers, yeah. very beautiful scent. Or hyacinths there in season for Valentine's. Are they? Okay. Or I quite like buying actually roses that are dormant mm-hmm. in a pot. You know, I'd, I'd much rather be given a rose that's alive that I can plant. Ah, cool. So, you okay. know, because roses, nice. they take about five years to get going, really. They'll outlive us. So I, su- I suggest to anyone who's in a permanent relationship with a yeah. garden, plant lots of roses and they'll grow old with you. It might outlive your relationship. <laughs> yes. <but. laughs> Maybe for the next, for your yeah, next partner. Yeah, then you'll have a lovely fresh bouquet to present <laughs> to the next partner that arrives. I love that. It's just magical out here. What you've done is just heaven. 
Thank you. And is there some herbs here? That That's partially. I mean, a bit like the cut flowers. I've, I've said I don't grow veg, but I love herbs. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, when you go into the supermarket all through the winter, you see packets of herbs, don't you? Yes. That are grown in, like, Morocco. And you can actually have rosemary, parsley, you know, sage. You, you cool. can grow them in the window box. So Lovely. there's no need to be buying herbs, you know, and the fresher they are, the tastier they are anyway. So if I am somebody who lives in a flat and I haven't got any outdoors, there's so much we've spoken about this in pots and yes. things. And, and what, what would you advise, a couple of things to get going for someone who wants to begin there? So if you just had a flat and nice sunny windowsill? Yeah. Well, if you look behind you, you'll see our windowsill. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's full of scented leaf geraniums. We'll oh, go wow. in in a minute, and if you rub your fingers on them, they smell like Turkish delight. Um, <laughs> so that. it's lovely, and they—I'm not a big houseplant person, mainly because any windowsill space I've got, I like to have it room for seeds that I'm bringing on. Right. But um, if I just had a flat and I was working a really intensive job, I'd, I'd definitely have um, Atter of Rose and Prince of Orange Pelagate geraniums because they really smell beautiful. Okay, and those are the two in the window. Yeah, or that's similar? them. Yeah. Okay, should we go in and have yeah, a smell? Yeah. I've also got, I remember I've got a present for you. Oh, thank you. Okay, we're going in. I'm going to wipe my feet. <laughs> so we're moving into James's sitting room on the side in the windowsill if you rub that one is this is like a geranium plant with a leaf which i rub my god it smells amazing god it's really what is that is it like orange? that might that that might be prince of orange actually oh. not i think atter of roses is in the kitchen oh okay cool um, so we can compare scents let's compare <laughs> i'm also walking through the most beautiful house you've ever been in your life which i could describe just simply go to houseandgarden.co.uk what's that one i think this is a turkish delight one yeah, that's lovely. A little bit more, more sugary. What is that? So it's the it's the sap basically in the leaf that's coming out as you as you rub it, and that's what's in all the expensive candles you see in farm shops and all the soaps. Really. So if you were to have a, you know, if you wanted to do a lovely perfume bath, you could literally take some of these leaves off, mm-hmm. put them under the water in like a little muslin bag, yeah. and the whole of the bathroom will be perfumed naturally. That's and the whole bathroom honestly will smell gorgeous. That's such a nice yeah. idea and so simple and. You can just have this thing that constantly because geraniums grow fast. They right? love it, yeah, and they're very they're very good if you if you know if you're going out a lot if you're working away from home long weekends they they're quite good plants that will survive without being watered a lot. Yeah, they don't need a lot, which of water, is a, ma- do a they? big thing. And I'd just so much rather have something like this that's scented than something that just looks like a cactus that just collects dust. <laughs> I think that's why I'm quite allergic to a lot of house plants because I just remember being little and. You know the handed down cactus from granddad who and your mum's like i've got to keep this thing alive but it actually does nothing yes and just sits there you know pricking you whenever you go near it Um, i'm also allergic to those um anything that looks plastic so a lot of the supermarket like house plants yes they they often look anything that looks almost like it's not supposed to be alive but is yes i don't like things like that but it's almost reverse engineered, isn't it? Because it's things that work quite well for them to ship yeah, in and stuff. Rather exactly. Than, mm. Stuff that can survive being on a shipping container. and mm. Yeah. Interesting. And trying to bring down the miles. Do you remember the first time you saw flowers or, yeah, when you mm-hmm. sort of knew that you loved them? 
I think I always loved them because they've always been part of other things I love, like farmyards and jungles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, to be honest, I probably fell in love with them watching Little Mermaid, you know, things like all kinds of, you know, Disney, Snow White, Beatrix Potter. Mm -hmm. They're always the background, aren't they, to lovely childhood things. So yeah, particularly thinking about it, Beatrix Potter probably, because I couldn't, le- I didn't learn to read until quite late. Mm-hmm. So books like Beatrix Potter with the watercolours, they were very visual and. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of learned to read visually first. Interesting. Which is probably why I'm so attracted to bold, vibrant colours. Um, ah. Yeah, because yeah. the colours here, like I'm looking out this kitchen window, the colours of the hyacinths mm. is hot pink, purple, bright orange, and I would never think to put those colours together no. because I don't have that your imagination and it just looks amazing. What colours would you put together? I like greens and whites. That's where I end up. I think that's a really good rule, actually. In fact, if I did like white, that would be the only colour that ruled the garden. Really? And I, Yeah, because the problem with white is when you put it in with the bold colours... It screams at you too much. It almost looks like a seagull's flown over your flowers. <laughs> and there's that white, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, dropping yeah. within it. So I don't know if you've been to Sissinghurst. There's a garden at Sissinghurst no. that Vita Sattville West created called the White Garden. Mm-hmm. And that entire garden is just white, grey and green. And that really? was because when she had her guests for dinner, they'd often stay in another cottage, which was next to the White Garden. And the white nighttime illuminated. So the guests were guided back to their cottage. So um, that was why she wanted the white garden. But the white looks its most gorgeous because it's allowed to just shine on its own. That is such so a it's like having idea. polar bears within the snow almost, you mm-hmm. know, rather than trying to put them in an exotic colour palette. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like, I mean, I tried to do a white garden last summer, actually. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it was that really cold summer where we didn't have any evenings, really, that you could sit within it. Mm. So I hated the whole summer because I don't really love white. It doesn't make me feel alive. Mm. Um, and I, I wasn't able to enjoy it at night. But it did work in that I just banned all the other colours. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, because also we've got lots of plants in our garden that are there already. Mm. So... I, and I sort of don't want to mess with that. So I'm yeah. sort of going to let this year... Give it a year and see what you like. Yeah. yeah and then you'll idea. be coming around <laughs> some advice. <laughs> Should we sit in there? Yeah, let's sit Let in me there. just grab my telephone. Sorry. Because we're, we're doing this on mics together. We're sort of like a Montessori nursery school, having to like move everywhere as one. Oh, hang on. I forgot your present. We've got to go back this way. I've got oh. to give you a present, Arthur, which I know... Well, when I give it to you, we can talk about it. Thank you because I've learnt something in the process of finding it. So here, oh, a bird look. box, your garden. That's perfect. It is perfect. It's a blue tip box. A blue tip box. And we do get the blue tits because we feed them. Really? Yeah. The rule is, though, we only give them a fat ball a day because we don't want to get any squirrels. Ah. Um, so they're allowed one fat ball a day. <laughs> so fat balls, because I put six in a food feeder and they went in three days. Is Did that because squirrels? Maybe not, because you're in the countryside, but I find because I love my bulbs so much, I'm just very careful about attracting squirrels. I see. Um, so I'd never put peanuts out. Okay. And it, yeah, I just, I tend to feed the blue tits where the roses are, because that means when they come and visit, they'll, eat, they'll also eat any aphids. Yeah. Okay. The roses. So you're creating like a little... Little ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. But so I bought you this bird Thank box. Thank you so um, much. But then I realised it's totally the wrong time of year to put it up. It should have been well, put up Well, it will still go up, mm-hmm. um, so they'll see it. Maybe there'll be late blue tips this year. Well, there might be 
that maybe they'll put in a local it's very sturdy it's, it's well oak made. isn't it nice oak it will last a lifetime well that's what i Thank thought very much because i was looking for one and i didn't want one that's just going to disintegrate and it's good that i can unscrew the base so if anyone does live in there i can clean it out every year and as we're talking about the fat ball i can see a little there was a blue and something blue and black bird that was just eating from the fat ball that was probably a, a tip that's a blue tit then isn't it terrible? I didn't even know what that the was. The holly tree that the neighbours have got is amazing for birds. So I'd, I'd say holly is one of the nicest things for them. Is it? Why? Yeah. Well, I think because it's spiny, it's it's quite a safe canopy against cats or any bigger birds. Oh, so they know they can yeah, nest in it and so not get... Well, it's just full of, you know, the shelter for birds. Interesting. Um, yeah. Also, the other thing I bought when I was on my bird box hunt, there's a company who make little bird boxes out of sari fabric that you can mm. hook into a tree have you ever seen them anywhere i have yeah i'm not convinced okay go on <laughs> there was me thinking i was saving the planet well i hope they work um i think i think there's a lot of lovely things that are designed for birds whether they actually go in them or not it's really matter, yeah it's very solid does yeah, that help have you seen them I've, I've, if it's the are they colorful yeah uh actually i thought it'd be more colorful it's okay brownie red well, that sounds better than some of the things I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of polka dot things and things that look like they belong in Teletubby land. Uh, right. No, it's, I okay. don't think it's that. Because one of your things is sustainability, right? And that's part of... Yeah, but we're well, certainly supporting biodiversity through gardening. Yeah. Um, which is through, you know, putting a bird bath in your garden and planting for pollinators and not using pesticides or herbicides, mm-hmm. um, which are the two key things. Um, I'm very passionate about creating awareness of that. And it's the thing that, as a as a country, actually, we're there behind on. Cause really? We, we, you know, yeah, the the laws at the moment, which are supposed to protect us from the harms that pesticides can give us and wildlife, are very poor. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, it's perfectly legal at the moment to spray herbicides around schools and hospitals, and these are proven chemicals, mm. increasingly, that, you know, that cause cancers, um, mm. as well as killing and obliterating all our insect life mm. and if we have no no pollinators we're we're pretty done for as a as a species mm. yeah because yeah. isn't it without the bees we'd all be dead yeah i mean we've lost we've lost 90 percent or more of our wildflower meadows and, and wetlands um, really as a, as a country so gardens they're kind of like the last standing point as a as a declamation of, of what we're going to do as a species to halt the decline wow yeah. What are they being replaced by when you say we've lost 90%? Yeah, so um, farming, obviously, um, right. you know, the way f- intensive agriculture mainly, mm-hmm. and also housing, you know, in- increase a huge loss of green belts. So I come from a place called Hutton in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. When I was little, that was an ex-mining town that was surrounded by green belt. Um, and now it's all gone with mm. new build housing. It's just like a relentless march. Mm. Um, the sad fact is, of course, we need we need new housing, but we're not seeing good plans with wildlife in mind. So there there aren't meadows included in the schemes, or mm. you know, even allotments at the end of each block of housing would help because, of course, allotments mm-hmm. they're all divided by hedges. Right. Hedges are the biggest thing to support bird life. Ah, okay, you know, interesting. The, these huge fields, you know, after the Second World War, we, we lost all our small fields, mm-hmm. which used to be a lot more wildlife friendly because hedges provided cover for birds and, you know, there were mixed hedges. So at this time of year in the spring, you'd get the blackthorn coming out in blossom and then the hawthorn. Mm. So a hedge, while we might just see it as a green line, it's mm-hmm. actually a, an English rainforest. 
Really? That's how I see, you know, lovely Hawthorne hedges. I, I wish the government would say, you know, all old hedges would have a preservation order on them because mm-hmm. they're just as important as a huge tree. Right. Um, you know, they provide nesting cover. And of course, you know, the clues in the name hedgehog, where the hedgehogs naturally live, it's hedge. Yeah. And they're, they're on the endangered list now. Oh, and um, someone run over it on my way here. Yeah, actually. it's a hot spot for them actually around here. I see a lot of them dead when I'm cycling, <laughs> which in, in some ways is good because you think, well, there must be a few around. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, they don't seem to be doing too well with the, the big four by fours, do they? No. <laughs> and then did he- did hedges did did fields get bigger because of industrialization? Yeah, absolutely. So right. after the Second World War, it was ordered. You know, the government we need to produce more food. Mm-hmm. Um, so bigger fields, more intensive agriculture, more intensive farming. Mm. Um, and uh, but you know, I think we are at a turning point. I mean, people will still say we need to produce more food, mm. but actually, the amount of food that's wasted is more than ever before. Mm. Um, so it's, and I think people are hungry to to nurture more than ever. We yeah. just need to be supported better. You were talking about where you grew up and stuff. Like, mm. what was your childhood like? And did you feel like you almost had to be come out being into flowers? You know, because it kind of identifies you as a gay kid, right? Yeah, it does definitely. It went up a gear. I was from the generation where, thank God, mobile phones weren't really in the classroom. But I remember it was like the my generation was of like slang. Right. So there was a period where every second word everyone was saying was gay. Yeah. Oh, you so that's gay. So get missed. That's so gay. Mm. Um, and also all my fr- close friends were girls. So mm-hmm. that's always a big indicator. Yes. Mark. Um, yeah, I think, I think any child that shows a bit of, I mean, I was quite quiet. I wasn't singing and dancing on the table about liking flowers or chickens, but mm-hmm. it was still, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was bullied, but definitely you put your head above that parapet of of being an individual and you get picked on. But that's mm. the way of... Children are like chickens. If, if if one child is different to the flock, they get pecked. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just the way I think it'll always be. And it sounds like you therefore kept yourself to yourself? I, I did have friends, but yeah, I, I didn't... I didn't feel a longing to, you know... I didn't feel upset that I was didn't have friends who had the same interests mm-hmm. i always had were friends with i was always friends with older people really yeah so i never really felt a longing to have friends who liked what i liked it's funny that isn't it because i always had friends who were older as well and i think it's because they're gentler with you because they know they probably know they know what's going to happen which is that you leave school and suddenly actually you need your interests yeah. To survive. Because the friends that you were so desperate to be like aren't there anymore anyway. Yeah. But do you think it's also that they, they know what, they know that they can tell that you're gay is what I'm trying to spit out. Like, and yeah. they sort of know you need some gentle support. Um, I think, I think maybe my grandma Min knew. In mm. fact, she admitted to me later on in life that she always knew. Really? Um, yeah. And I think grandmas often do, don't they? Mm. I think. Particularly when, you know, we had lots of cousins and I also had a younger brother, but I was always the one that was, you know, at Granny's at the weekend. And, yeah. And strangely enough, there was a period when my parents, we were kind of homeless because it was in between moving houses. Yeah. And even though I had a younger brother, he was the one who ended up in Nana's box room. And my mum and dad got like the spare room with the double bed. And I was the one who ended up sleeping with my nana for nearly six months. <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, how, how was that decided? And why was it decided? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just things like that, that you look back on and think, mm, it's 
bit bit weird. Would that happen? You know, if, if I'd have been Linda News straight now with a girlfriend, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How was that sleeping in her room? Was she? It was totally fine. I mean, I I literally lived with my nan a lot from being little, so mm. it was kind of normal. Yeah. Um, she used to hog the covers off. I used to wake up in the middle of the night shivering with cold, <laughs> and she'd like cocooned herself and I'd have to pull them off her and suddenly she'd wake up and go oh I'm so sorry oh, <laughs> and she got you into flowers or there was something to do with her and flowers or her and chickens um she basically we had we had two sets of grandparents grandma and Ted my mum's parents mm. who were kind of like the grandparents who took me and my brother out for days out and you know treated us whereas Min my dad's mum she was a widower my granddad on that side died when I was three so she was a wonderful grandmother, but she was the grandmother that would ring up and say, Jill, can you send the boys over? I need the hedge cutting right. or the lawn needs doing, or there'd always be a job. So very early on, she got us gardening. Okay. And out the two of us, me and my younger brother, I was the one that seemed to be quite good at gardening. Yeah. Or at least wasn't, you know, knew what I was doing a little bit more. So I was the one who'd be asked to come and mow the lawn or right. the hedge. So it started off as, you know, going to Granny's for, you know, Sunday to do a job. But yeah, it was enjoyable. And, you know, lots of things like we'd go and get a big um, trailer full of muck every spring from Ernie, who kept racing horses. Yeah. So that'd be like the annual pilgrimage for Nano's vegetable beds. And I just think things like that where, you know, you remember being little and barring horse shit out into bags and you see the worms in it. Mm. That I think a lot of kids aren't exposed to now because for whatever mm-hmm. reason their parents are scared mm-hmm. scared of them getting ringworm or getting salmonella whereas that just wasn't talked about or a worry right and that oh, wasn't that long ago you know i'm 30 this year but it wasn't the dark ages no and <laughs> yeah there does feel like a culture around kids where people are less too cocooning yeah it's like um i suggested someone planting a hawthorn hedge in their garden and they said, oh, we can't do that because of the grandkids. And these grandkids are almost, you know, between 8 and eight and 15. Right. It's like they're not going to run into the hedge and, you know, play Crown of Thorns with it. What, cause it, literally because it's got thorns a on it? A few small, yeah, a few. And it's like, how, why have we become so fearful? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all this stuff used to be there. No one died. Well, is it is it the, is it the case that where we're going wrong with a lot of the things you've mentioned so far, which is like how we're planting, how we're building, how we're, you know, organising our hedges in our gardens is we come at it with that sense of like, well, it doesn't work for me, mm. you know, rather no, than... Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work for the environment. Mm. And people go into it like that. And that is accumulatively, lots of people making those micro decisions leads to a bigger decision where we've lost 90% of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what was the word you used? Wild, bad well natural nature really in england yeah there's a word called um and it's being used in schools a lot more and more which it's horrifying called nature deficit disorder oh um where children just don't know what different bird song is or what different insects are i don't either well you should <laughs> no I well, well you know what blue tits are which is, a, which is well good. i've learned that today. you bought me the right blue tit box so you're, you're being a bit modest i think no but oh look now, um, now there's something else there oh that's mr blackbird Okay. He he comes every day. Are we okay with him? Yeah, I love them because um, they just have the most amazing song. So there's two uh, sparrows waiting? Yeah. Okay, good. I got it right. That is the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two. Need I say more? No. 
Well, stay tuned. Actually, you need to go to the feed. It's not radio, is it, Chris? So I did need to hear a bit more. Powered by Spirit Studios.